0: Lock on. Lock on. Lock 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 on. Lock, lock, lock on Lock, lock on, Cowboys. Lock on. Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Lena McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out in the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, did you enjoy Championship Weekend in the NFL? Quite
1: some great games. I mean, uh, it's. I thought that it was. And, and re, frankly, you know, I don't have too much root and interest, though. I I would definitely say that this is a Kansas City chief fan for the next two sure. weeks or whatever I mean I was just rooting uh, against Aaron Rodgers
0: that was that was basically yeah
1: definitely definitely that I, I I definitely was not rooting for uh, uh, the, the 49ers to win necessarily as much as the Packers to lose right so um, yeah it that was that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, so I guess I I enjoyed it overall. I definitely wouldn't have loved it if we had an Eagles or a Packers team in the Super Bowl. I think that would, I think this is, this is acceptable. I I don't really have an issue if either of these teams win. And I, and I actually would be thrilled if, uh, Kansas City did win because they, you know, it's such a great franchise, such a great fan base, uh, almost like a sister organization to the Cowboys. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I totally, I'm on board with rooting for uh, a small market team in the Super Bowl for sure.
0: Was there any big takeaways from the championship weekend? Because I know sometimes you can get some good trends that are going on. Uh, I know some people were saying the running game is back after San Francisco ran for almost 300 yards. Um, I'm not sure that's the takeaway or not. But did you have any of those kind of takeaways from, from this weekend? Well, I,
1: I can't remember which side you're on, whether uh, running backs matter or whether Derrick Henry matters. But no, uh, no, it's all I, running backs well, don't
0: matter. That's why I, well, use yeah, Derrick running Sanders backs as an so, example.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I, I think w- one of those two things took a hit uh, uh, this weekend. And, and I'm not sure, and I honestly don't even know which one. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think. Look, I mean, I, I think. You and I both. You and I may disagree about whether running backs matter or not. I think that that is a very wide. risk. I think that the, the issue with a lot of analytics is how they're uh, packaged. I think. Sure. And 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 I think the phrase "running backs don't matter" is very poorly packaged. I but I think you and I do agree that you know the running back is greatly devalued, and you can f- manufacture run production in a, in a variety of different Absolutely. ways. Uh, I think it, one of the things that we, we, we won't deny though is that running the football is important. Absolutely. Uh, I, yes. That's, that's, know, that's,
0: that gets lost a lot in the running yeah, backs don't exactly. matter discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the
1: thing that, you know, we kind of have these high level conversations about running, you know, running backs mattering and the value of running backs and the devaluation of the position. But I think some people hear that and they get confused and think that we don't, Think well. I mean, I, I don't think people can ever get confused that I think this, but I know that you don't think that either. That right. that running running the football doesn't matter. It's really just the fact of you can produce running. It's easy. It's manufacturing running yards is uh, is is can be done a whole b- bunch of different ways. I think we can all agree that. Uh, and I think that this, this what this playoff, you know, uh, this in particular the conference champions showed us uh, is that you know running the football is a, a way to win a game late in the season if if, if you're good at it uh, and then of course there's also the the Pat Mahomes throw the ball all over sure. the field way but he even even he had a uh, had a yeah, big he, run he like that really rushing. sparked yes yeah, which it sparked the whole thing so i think it's important i think that that's 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 kind of what i took away is that running the ball still matters
0: the the one thing i was going to say is man you watch the 49ers and the chiefs and they have so much speed on offense and I think that is something Dallas is is lacking a little bit. I mean, Cooper and Gallup are really good oh. players, but they don't have the same speed of what like Kansas City has. And man, it's terrifying when you're running jet sweeps and you have to you know cover every blade of grass on the field. Uh, both San Francisco and Kansas City can do that. They can stretch you on the edges, but they can also throw the ball down the field, uh, and, and that makes your and that makes it so hard. To, uh, to, to, to stop you on defense. So that was just one of my quick takeaways. Any comments on that one?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I, that's very present to what part of the conversation I think I want to have a little bit later in this podcast. So, okay. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring up speed on, on, on offense a little bit later. All
0: right. Um, the Cowboys have basically finalized their coaching staff. Uh, they made a couple moves over the weekend. Um, I want to talk now, Landon, about the, the coaching staff as a whole. How do we feel about it? Are there any concerns you have now? Uh, we know that Mike Nolan is the defensive coordinator and Tom Sewell is the defensive line coach. Uh, we have an idea maybe what the defense might look like. We have an idea what the offense might look like. Uh, so just your general thoughts about this entire coaching staff now that it's uh, basically finalized. Well, you know, I think my
1: questions are are, are probably individual questions that I have about uh Fit and about technique u- techniques potentially used. Um, I, I you know I think we've got I, I think a, a, as much of a general idea as what we're gonna what this is gonna look like as we're gonna get at this point. I, I think we know that we we've gotten the the, uh, the indication that Mike Nolan is gonna run kind of basically a four three and that you know and it kind of got it confirmed that it it doesn't really matter with you know with all the nickel defense being it played matter. no uh but you know I think that what's interesting there is you know what's the transition you know uh it's the conversations beneath that so like what's the transition going to be like for the defensive line r- room going from Rod Marinelli to Jim Tomsula? you know um what 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 are what are the the technique differences that we're going to see uh, employed by Mo Linguist and Al Harris as the defensive backs coaches versus Chris Richard. Um and, and and how is that going to affect? And I think how that you know really affects our current conversation is how are those changes in techniques going to affect the uh, the athletic template for each position when we're looking at uh, at potential draft prospects? So um, you know I think for those two sp- positions specifically. Uh, I have questions about, you know, what, what's the tech, it's not even necessarily about the coaches. It's more about, well, what are the techniques that, that are going to be taught here? Because we had kind of strong ideas of, of, of prototypes for these positions because previously they were playing one way. And now, you know, Jim Tumsula is essentially, I mean, more a two gap coach than I would say a one gap coach, right. you know? Yep. And, and, and Maurice L- Linguist and Al Harris, I mean, I, I really don't know what exactly their techniques are necessarily. So, uh, and, and, and Chris Richards is so specific. So I think, you know, kind of learning more about what the coaches plan to do specifically, uh, in these rooms, in this defense, I think that's kind of the next step into understanding, you know, what's going to happen on the defense and then what is it going to mean for potential draft picks. And, and I think on the offensive side, there's a lot more, uh known there. We know who Skip Pete is. we Skip Pete's been a running back coach here before. We know who Joe Philbin is. He's been a head coach in the NFL, was a offensive line coach before that. So there's lots of evidence of, of what kind of coach he's gonna be. We know who John Fossil is as a special teams coach. We've had Kellen Moore in here. We didn't have Doug Nesmeyer as our quarterback coach, but we know who that guy is. I, I think that role is gonna change a little bit uh into more of just a second pair of eyes on, on tape, you know, to help uh, Dak breakdown film, um, you know I, I think you know there's London Wells we don't know a ton about him. Adam Henry I don't know a ton necessarily about him, but I, I think there's a lot more known on the offensive side of the ball uh, and on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to try to because it's so multiple because it's so wide open. We're going to kind of have to feel our way around with with the flashlight and kind of just. You know, listen for morsels from information from the coaches, the coaching staff, and, and and Will McClay or whoever from the organization, kind of giving you this idea of what the new normal is. Uh, at, you know, for for kind of physical prototypes and techniques that are going to be used on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff in you know today's show and upcoming shows. Uh, but as a whole, I really do like the coaching staff that Mike McCarthy's brought in here. He, he's got a nice combination of Older veteran coaches that are really good in certain roles. Uh, Joe Philbin, Jim Tom Sula. You feel really good about those guys. Uh, Skip Pete, but he also has a you know some younger guys on the staff. Kellen Moore uh, to, to come to example. Um, uh, the wide receiver coach is a younger guy. So I, I just I like the the group and the unit that he's put together here, and I'm excited to see what it looks like going forward. Um, Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll just try to guess as to what the draft may look like with these new coaches on the team. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships them direct, so they're cheaper than even a pharmacy would have. Right now, we have a special offer offer for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code NFL. Just pay $5 of shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code NFL to try it for free. All right, Landon, uh, we still have a long ways to go until the NFL draft, uh, but with some of the coaching staffs on the, or co- some of the coaches on the roster, we can get an idea of what they may like or what positions they may like to draft. Um, you actually sent me an interesting DM over the weekend about Mike Nolan's history in the draft. Uh, and I would like you to kind of share it with the people uh, some of the trends that you saw when Mike Nolan uh, is a defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at this point, I, I'm I'm still kind of in the, uh, you know, the analyzation phase, the analyze phase, I guess. Uh, you know, it's so much information. The guy has been an NFL coach on some level for over, you know, over 25 years, uh, over 30 years. Right. Uh, so, uh, he, it's, it's, and, and, you know, depending on the level of position he's had at at coaching at different spots, um, you, uh, you, you kind of get an idea of, of what kind of influence, And, and that's the thing that's very difficult to parse with this kind of thing is, uh, you know, how much influence does he have as a defensive coordinator in Miami versus the head coach in, uh, San Francisco, uh and, and so I just kind of i have gathered all the the uh all the draft picks uh that that the teams made when he was in a spot where I felt like he had at least some influence to make right. input on 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 the picks. You know, it's it's incredibly impressive. You, know, you don't hang around in the NFL for 30-plus years unless you've been involved in some very good defenses and some very good players. He's had four or five guys, at least four guys who are Hall of Famers, another two or three guys who will likely be Hall of Famers uh, when they get get their opportunity. Yep. Um, you know, I, I just need to I, I catch a lot of uh, I mean he is, obviously has a very good understanding of what he's looking for at the linebacker position specifically. Uh, at the defensive back specifically, he seems to be uh, very efficient at, at finding kind of guys that are serviceable uh, you know a little bit later on in the draft. Uh, I'm I to. Yeah, you know, I'm looking through a huge list of guys trying to come up with some names, but um, you know, like but I, he, I was looking
0: at like 2007. I mean, look at the first round in that draft: Patrick Willis and Joe Staley. Yeah, uh, he got um Ray McDonald in the third round, who ended up becoming a good player the following year, actually the year before that. Vernon Davis, uh, Manny mm-hmm. Lawson didn't turn out to be a good one, but Delaney Walker, you know, in the sixth round, man, they had some some good drafts and a lot of. A lot of guys, even at the bottom of the roster, bottom of the picks, were you know yeah. solid contributors. gave gave them
1: something like you know Terrell Brown didn't end up being a huge player for them, but I mean he ended up giving them a lot of snaps that were you know usable. It's, it's like Nolan Carroll and, yeah. and Rashad Jones and Miami per- and in Miami. Perfect example, yeah. Round. You know, I mean Nolan Carroll wasn't. Uh, Fantastic for us, but he gave, he gave a lot of really good snaps to Philadelphia at, at, at times. For, I mean, again, for a fifth-round pick, and Rashad Jones was a, is a pro bowler. You well, know? And they got I was going to say, the... one of the
0: things that I've noticed, and we can talk about like Atlanta's drafts, is, man, he is good at identifying defensive backs. I've like, uh, yeah. got Ricardo Allen in the fifth round. he got Desmond Trufant in the first round, Robert Alford in the second round. Good players. Uh, Camille Ismail in the seventh round. I mean, it just seems like every time he's drafting a defensive back – uh, you know, they end up being pretty good players in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, this is, I
1: mean, you know, look, not to name drop, but this is the guy who drafted Ed Reed. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was, uh, like, he was involved in that, in that group. So, I mean, he has knowledge on what he's looking for from, uh, uh, uh these defensive backs. He was a defensive back coach to start out. So uh, I, I think, you know, where I have some pause here is that, uh, you know, I don't know that the defensive line selection. I mean, like even the linebackers. We we didn't mention D- Denzel Perryman in the second uh, second round for the Chargers is end up being a really good player for yeah, them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's just like I, you know, I think that they, uh, you know, he was involved. I, I don't know how much, but he was involved in Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams being drafted, and you know, in that last pick uh, in the twenty seventeen and in the, in the well, not not the last draft, but two drafts ago. Uh, you know, so I, I think there, he's got a lot of success there. Where, where I wonder, and just kind of looking over this, is uh you know how much of his eye is for the defensive linemen, for the pass rushers. I think you know you see a couple of guys in here, especially early on, that definitely you know you're you're impressed with. But you know, there's not a ton. I mean, he he, he think about this. He was on the 1993 Giants. He was the defense coordinator for the Giants in 1993 when they drafted Michael Strahan. <laughs> That's how long – I mean, this dude's been around for a long time. So, uh you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, there's – he has a lot of uh, talent. I mean, he, he drafted Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's i like, mean these are jay guys bailey and ed reed and michael strahan yeah, not bad yeah yeah not bad not bad i mean you know but I, like the last really great guy that i i feel like you know he drafted as a pass rusher uh you know i mean yeah you know, since then he's uh, he's drafted patrick hillis and ray mcdonald who's you know, more of a five technique but was was a really good five technique for a couple of years um uh, but, you know, like the last great pass rusher, a really good pass rusher, I guess that you could say that he drafted, uh, we, you know, we're gonna see how, uh, you know, how, uh, guys like, uh, Marcus Davenport show up, but, but, you know, Sterl yeah. sucks, really. So, uh, that's where you're kind of relying on Jim Sula and maybe more and more of your scouting department to kind of make, the decisions at, at pass if you need one of those guys.
0: Yeah, I feel pretty good that Mike Nolan knows what he's looking for on you know that side of the ball, especially secondary. Like this is a this is a draft where uh, I, I believe the Cowboys are going to take multiple secondary players, uh, and I feel pretty good that Mike Nolan's going to be able be able to identify players that fit this scheme well uh, and that work out in Dallas. And that leads us to uh, mock draft Monday. Which, of, at the Draft Network, every Monday, there's a new mock draft. This one from Joe Marino. Uh, in the first round, it's a similar pick to last week. The Cowboys take safety Grant Delpit, um, who you happen to watch again over the, or over the weekend, correct? Yeah. Uh, any, any new thoughts on Delpit? Uh, I, you know, I think for
1: me, I've come around to what Delpit is, and I think to me, Delpit seems like a very nice potential floor to land on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you see, you see, you're just seeing his name mocked to the Cowboys a lot right now. By far the consensus right now. That's that's really the only
0: name we're seeing mocked to the Cowboys.
1: Yeah. And, and I, you know, look, the Cowboys definitely need safety help. I mean, it's, it's time for them to get some safety, you know, uh, 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 talent injection, I one hundred percent would concur on that. Um, I also think that you know, as I started to get into this more and more, there are a lot of guys that fall into that seventeen range that I also wonder that maybe might be better. You know, might mm. be better. You know, that might be a better pick for the Cowboys overall. And I know that that sounds like blasphemy because everyone, and I, this is nothing against Grant Delp, but I think he's a good player. And I think he's, you know, 17's right probably where he should be going. Um, you know, I got no problem with any of that. Uh, it, I just think, you know, we talked about speed earlier, and I watch these teams playing in the playoffs. And I think about the fact that, you know, if Henry Ruggs falls to the Cowboys. Okay, now we're talking. I just think that it, it adds a level of dynamism to your offense that is, you know, I mean, it, it, it's like it's like Jeffrey uh, talks about. He wants to score forty. He wants to drop forty on everybody. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, sorry from one hundred five <laughs> three. It's, I, I, you know, I think you get a guy like Ruggs in there. And now you're really cooking on offense. You're really, really cooking because you can do all kinds of different things. And and I think that, you know, you look at both teams, both the 49ers and the the Chiefs, uh, and I think that both of those teams show you even in kind of separate uh, flavors of kind of a West Coast offense on how you can use those guys not just in the pass game, but in the run game, as constraints and, and the reverse and the quick, you know, shovels back and forth, it kept the, it kept the line. It keeps your linebackers guessing. I oh, saw uh, and, all,
0: and, all day yesterday with McCall Harmon and Tyree Hill. It seemed like any time yeah. the Chiefs ran the ball, they're running some kind of you know jet, you know, ghost reverse. And, yeah, I mean, it's, j- just, and, and, it's so hard to defend that. And actually, and then yesterday in the, in the San Francisco game. They ran back-to-back reverses – not reverses. They were really like jet sweeps to yeah. Debo Samuel because the Packers just didn't have enough speed to stop, stop it. it.
1: Yeah. And when you have these guys who – and this is why I'm i am looking more and more at the wide receiver core now and looking and saying, you know, we have some players there. There's no doubt. But it would really be nice to get one of these kind of guys, a Henry Ruggs type – and I, you know, I'm looking more and more and, you, you know, we, you, we talked about, and I'm not saying that this is a guy I'm necessarily going after, but you and I talk, had a little conversation about, uh, and I'm going to terribly butcher this. Lavishka Chenault. You got it. Nope, you're good. From, for Lavishka Chenault from Colorado. Oh yeah. I watched this guy and this is a guy who gets drafted, uh, you know, in 2006 and, uh, the team that drafts him drafts him like, you know, 10th overall, and they don't know what to do with this
0: dude. Yeah.
1: Right? Like, because, oh, he's not, he's not an ex receiver. We thought we were getting an extra receiver. We throw him in the trash pile. And then the, the, the Packers or the Patriots or, uh, uh, Kansas City picks this dude up off the trash pile, dusts him off, puts him in the slot, puts him in motion, gets, mm-hmm. gives him jet sweeps. Gives him the football in, in unconventional ways, gives him the ball on the move, Puts gives him the screens, and suddenly everyone's like, how did they find this guy? What? You know, where, how do they, you know, it, it, just by being a little bit creative. I look at a guy like Lavishka Chenault, who, who, you watch his tape from 2019, there's this consent, you know, a uh, concerted effort by Baylor, to uh, by Colorado to try to put him outside to make him more of a wide receiver. But if you watch the tape, like, from the previous season, he was basically I- exclusively functioning in the slot and, and like in, from yeah, an H-back a wild kind
0: Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I th-
1: I think that a guy like this, you know, I- I'm looking more and more not necessarily at this guy specifically because that, that might be yeah. a little bit rich for where he's right. going to go. But these the, the, like that kid from Kentucky, the quarterback,
0: Lynn ba- the, Lynn Bowden Junior. Yep.
1: These guys who yep. uh, who can uh, that uh, there's another guy uh, that wide receiver from Tennessee.
0: J one um, or J one. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm learning all these. Yeah, I'm all these names. J one Jennings, guys like that who have a background that can do other things for you. And and again, I'll throw out another name, John Fossil.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I think yeah. that you, you you look for versatile players because you, now you've got a special teams guy who might might do a, a, a tr- fake punt, might do, have a, a a situation where they have a a, a player. Uh, uh, faking a field goal and, uh, and, and running it in or something you know so I'm looking more and more for those these kind of versatile players on our offense because I think that there is maybe more and more room for for those type of players mm-hmm. on our team than there have been in previous seasons
0: all right I have a few quick thoughts before we we leave today uh, first of all on the Vishka Chanal, uh, I think he is what everybody was hoping Cordero Patterson was going to be.
1: Yes, where, that's that's who I see too. I, I'm right. Sorry, just go. Ahead. S-
0: similar go ahead. bodies, you know, six two, two hundred and twenty pounds. You can use him as a running back. You can use him a- as a slot receiver, whatever. I think Shitall's just a better player. Uh, where you can, I mean, just get him the ball and he's going to make plays. Um, the second thing is, if the Cowboys are going to try to add a speed element to this team. You have to know that you're probably going to have to overdraft that. Because if we see this every single year, if you're fast, you go high. I remember when the Chiefs drafted McCole Harbin last year, people thought that was a reach. That was, you know, they drafted Harbin over DK Metcalf. Uh, but you see why on Sunday, because you can do so many different things with him. He makes big plays on special teams, uh, on reverses down the field. It's just, it's hard to get those guys. I remember when John Ross went inside the top ten. Everybody thought that was high. Um, you're gonna have to overdraft some of these guys, so. Especially guys who can survive. Like yeah. those guys, the speed guys who can
1: stay on the field, those are, those are the rare players. Right. And if you can find those guys, you're gonna have to overdraft them. Um,
0: Henry Ruggs, an example. I'm not sure he should be a top 20 pick at receiver based on his skill set. Um, you know, he was the fourth receiver at Alabama, but if he runs in the four twos like he's telling everybody he's gonna do, uh, you're going to have to draft him at 17 if he even gets there. Uh, one more guy that I want you to watch sometime landing this week, uh, KJ Hamler at Penn State. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard, I've been an, put on the trail for this. Yeah. Guy. An
0: absolute blur. Probably somebody you get in the second round, but that's somebody who, uh, people just have trouble tackling him. He, he's like tackling smoke to use a Dane Brugler uh, saying. So, uh, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to well, be looking for those, those speedy guys all draft season.
1: Real quick, KJ Hamlet, Just to, to go back to Mock Draft Monday, KJ Hamlet goes 23 to the Patriots in this mock.
0: Draft. Would not surprise me. Uh, again, so, it would not surprise a, me. A, a riser,
1: to say the least.
0: Uh, I actually happen to know him a little bit. Uh, he ran a 4.31 electronic time uh, over uh, last summer. Uh, he's expecting to beat that at the combine. So, wow, uh, a lot, a lot of speed in this draft. And I'm curious to see if the Cowboys dip their toes into that into that talent pool. Uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Make sure you guys give us a review, five-star review. Uh, leave your comments. Again, I check those every day. Uh, a lot of you guys are leaving players for us to watch. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, it helps us kind of you know put together some of these guys that we're going to talk about on the podcast. So continue to do that. Follow Lane and at McCoolVCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher.